Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my property mastermind mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number 230 of the Property Magic Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to share with you what I would do if I was starting to invest again. I'm going to remind you about how I started, but also share with you how I would do things differently, knowing what I know now, having been investing for almost 30 years. So when I first started back in 1995, I knew nothing about property investing. All I knew was I wanted to get my foot onto the property ladder. I was 24 at the time. I had a load of student debt, but I just secured a graduate trainee job at Cadbury's. So I had a good income coming in and I knew I'd be able to get a mortgage. Unfortunately, I didn't have a deposit. Luckily, I was able to borrow that from a family member. It was a loan, not a gift. I paid it back in full with interest. But to make things easier for me, I actually rented out two of the rooms in my home to friends of mine who were still studying at university. And actually, I found that the rent they paid me every month was pretty much enough to cover the mortgage and also all the bills, so I kind of lived for free. I also had a second stream of income because I was running a student nightclub business, which was a great fun business at the time, very profitable, and the money I made from that actually gave me the deposit to buy my second property back in 1998. I retained my first one. I turned that into a three-bed student HMO. And then I moved into my second property with my friends, who again were continuing to rent for me, so I was still living for free. So back then, I thought that you had to have a lot of money to put down as a deposit to buy property. Obviously, I know that's not the case. Normally, there's some money required, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your money. And also, there are strategies where you don't really need much money at all. And I would use those strategies to get started. So my first priority would be to get my foot on the property ladder. Now, back when I started, it was actually affordable to buy property. Right now, I think the starting salary at Cadbury's is probably twice what I started on. However, the investment required to buy a property is probably seven or eight times as much. So for many people, it's not just the ability to get a mortgage, it's also the deposit that is a real problem. So instead of tying up a whole load of money in a property, what I would absolutely do is I would find a landlord who was tired or retiring I would take on a property on a lease option, ideally five or even maybe seven years. I'd give them a guaranteed rent. I'd have a management agreement so I could issue AST contracts. I would actually move into the property myself to become a tenant buyer. And I'd try and get a property that had at least three other rooms that I could rent out because that would be enough to help cover the cost of the mortgage and most of the bills. Now, I wouldn't want more than three people. So I live in Birmingham. Um, In Birmingham, if you have an HMO, a house of multiple occupation for five or more people, you need to get a license. So if it was just me and three people, it wouldn't need to be a licensed HMO. Although, of course, I'd want to make sure all the safety things are put in place, like fire doors and to make sure everyone, all the tenants and I were safe in the property. So once I'd secured somewhere for me to live, I would then start looking for other properties again on purchase lease options that could start creating cash flow for me. 
Now, how would I actually find these properties? Well, remember, I started in Selly Oak, which is just next to Burma University. It's where, me where many of the students live. However, with most student areas, there's often an oversupply of accommodation. There's accommodation which maybe once was suitable as student accommodation, but it's now a bit too far from the university because there are more properties closer to the university that those students can choose to live in. So it's a little bit too far out. Or maybe the landlord has not kept the property up to scratch and there's more modern, better property available in the area. So that's the kind of properties I would look for, where maybe they're actually sitting empty now because the landlord wasn't able to to find students to go into that property. Now you might think, why doesn't the, sh the landlord just repurpose that property and put different types of tenants in? Well, that's what I would do, but most landlords are not aware of that. You see, many student landlords have only ever rented to students. They assume that once someone finishes university and goes to get a good job, they wouldn't want to share, they'll want to go live on their own in an apartment. Well, actually, Sometimes that's the case, but not always. Uh, many people who've been students like the idea of living with other people because they did it while they were a student. And also, if they move to a new city to get a job where they don't really know anyone, well, maybe it's a great way to get an instant social life by living in a shared house. So most landlords who are student landlords don't know this. So we can take on their empty properties, do a very light refurb, get them up to scratch and then rent them out to young professionals or we can rent them out to just working people or even rent them out to the fourth type of tenant in an HMO, which is people on benefits. Now, I wouldn't want to do that personally, but you could absolutely take the property, give it to a charity who specializes in helping those kind of vulnerable tenants. So first of all, I'd secure my own home. Then I'd want to do properties that I'm renting out to other people. In addition to looking for properties in the immediate area, and what I'd do, I'd identify those. I'd go into land registry. I'd get the name of the owner and I'd write to the owner. I'd also go to the local council, to the HMO register, and I'd write out to all of the HMO landlords in the area, do a campaign of landlord letters to see if I can find those landlords who are tired or who are retiring. Also, I'd use word of mouth. I'd be on my social media. I'll be telling everyone what I'm doing and see if they also know landlords who are fed up with their properties. I'd also go to network meetings. I'd speak to the local council and find out when do they have their landlord meetings. They're not going to be every month, but every three or six months, they might do a landlord HMO forum. I'd get myself along to those meetings. I'd also go along to my local property investor network meetings and any other property network meetings and make sure everybody is aware that I was looking to find landlords who didn't want their properties anymore, who were tired and or retiring. I'd also go online looking for properties, particularly ones that are listed for sale and also listed for rent. If you think about it, what that landlord's saying is that I want to sell this property, but if I can't sell it, I'm prepared to rent it in the meantime. That's exactly what we're doing with a purchase lease option. We're going to rent the property for a period of time, then hopefully we're going to buy that property. Now, you might say, well, how am I actually going to buy the properties if I've started with very little money? Well, obviously, the income coming in from all the properties, that can be saved up and used towards deposits. Um, also, if you've got a good income coming from a property, you can show that you've got a, uh, it's much more affordable for you to get mortgages. And remember, an investment mortgage is different from a home mortgage. Your own home mortgage, you need to show you can afford to pay the mortgage payments. With an investment property, it's all about the rental income coming in from the tenant. 
payments. So as long as that's enough to pay the mortgage and the bills and things, you should be able to get a mortgage. Even if you're completely new to property, there are lenders who will give you a mortgage for up to a six bed HMO with no experience, brand new property company. This is why you need to have a really good power team, a mortgage broker, a solicitor who understand these things and they can line you up with the right kind of advice. Um, the next thing I do is once I'm building up my portfolio, I'd work out which of those properties do I want to keep and which ones are maybe not such good ones. You know, I've been investing almost three decades now and anyone who's got a reasonable sized portfolio for that amount of time or even just 10 years, if they're honest, they'll tell you they probably bought a couple of properties they probably wouldn't buy again. The great thing using options is you're getting to try before you buy. I have no doubt if you took on a number of properties on purchases options, some of them are great you'd want to buy, some of them mm, not so great you probably wouldn't want to. Those properties you could assign onto someone else and if there's been some capital growth in those properties, it means you can sell them on at a profit. Even though you've never owned those properties, someone comes on, you sell them property, maybe at a slight discount to the true value, but that price might well be higher than you've committed to pay the owner and you get the difference and that's one way of generating deposits for the properties that you want to keep also if you had some good capital growth there are some very creative ways where you can use that capital growth actually as the deposit for the properties you want to buy maybe not with a traditional mortgage company but you can certainly buy with bridging based on the value rather than the actual purchase price, which means you have to put less money into the property. And then six to nine months later, you remortgage onto a normal mortgage to pay back the bridging. Bridging is generally more expensive. You wouldn't want to be on it for too long, but in order to acquire the property, it's a great strategy. So if I was starting again to summarize, the absolute strategy I would be using would be purchase lease options. They are a fantastic way of controlling property, getting cash flow and potential equity growth on a property that you don't own, which means that you don't need a mortgage and you don't need a big deposit. Now, although I'm saying this is how I would start, I'm still using purchase lease options 20 years into 28 years into my property investing career because they are a fantastic strategy particularly in the current market where you have a lot of landlords looking to sell it's a buyer's market there are not as many buyers as they are sellers people are not queuing up to buy properties and also with the high interest rates at the moment and the time taken to uh, obtain a mortgage actually using a purchase option we can move much quicker so when we find a landlord for whom an option works and remember but they don't work for everyone. If someone's selling a property now because they need the money now, well, an option probably isn't an appropriate strategy. But if they're selling it because they don't want it, they don't want the hassle, they want to get away from that, actually a purchase option can be perfect because we take on all of the hassle from that owner. We rent it now and we're going to buy it hopefully at some time in the future. So as an experienced investor, this is a great strategy. As a new investor, with what I know now, that's exactly how I would start. So I do hope this has been useful for you and inspired you about how you can pursue your property investing further. If you want to learn more about purchase lease options, we're currently doing some online training for all of my mastermind students. I'd like to give you the opportunity to come and join that. The website you need to check that out is www.plo for purchase lease option, PLO training. Dot com. If you go to plotraining.com, you'll be able to register for that training. And also I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Until next time, remember to invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. 
To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.